School, Jane Cougar, Ben Magnus with you guys. Uh, our sponsors are ShopTYT.com, where you can get the great You're Fired shirt for Donald Trump. I showed you one, except I wore 12 of them in a row for 12 straight days, I think, and I'm out of them. Uh, but uh, you can get them at ShopTYT.com. Also, uh, sponsor TooStrongCoffee.com slash TYT. This uh, mug you get uh, if you buy three bags or more. Two bags or more, you help progressive causes like Just Democrats and Rebellion Pack. Uh, all right. Um, lots to get to. Uh, even there's though a, it's there's a, we have no agenda. Yes. There's an espresso roast, right? Uh, no, there's a French roast that's rebel roast. Oh, and then French there's roast, a breakfast right. blend that's the uprising. Uh, but you read our mind because espresso is coming in uh, in uh, hopefully January. All right. All right. Um, so uh, espresso roast before the vaccine for most people. And Why? we don't know that the espresso roast won't mitigate the effects of COVID. I mean, Scott Atlas says any number of things that could happen. I suspect he might, you know, he probably he seems like a coffee drinker. Um, so I don't know. I like to be right. It doesn't happen very often. Um, like you. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh but I didn't think enough was made of Scott Atlas's appointment. I remember talking to you that day and I was like, they just appointed like Dr. Oz. Sorry, no offense. I know he's important to you. Like uh, to lead the coronavirus task force. And I, I, I thought, I don't know anything about this guy except that he knows nothing about the viruses. Like I, I'd never even read anything. I just read the story and I'm like, oh, he's hired uh, some clown. And then, of course, it turned out uh, that Scott Atlas was some clown. You know, it's, it just occurred to me that, for all we know, El Zawahiri is still alive. Uh, because the, the, he popped into my head because you pr guys probably don't even remember. He was the number two guy at Al-Qaeda and the actual planner, as opposed to bin Laden, yeah. who was mainly the financier. Uh, and uh, he was a dentist, I believe. So <laughs> um, That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, I mean, Remember, like Scott Atlas might as well be a dentist. He has no specific credentials in fighting infectious disease at all. So I don't remember the espresso bean thing or if you just made that up. But would I be well, surprised I if he was yeah. like, inject yourself with too strong coffee and you'll survive? Well, that in specific, I'd probably be a little surprised, but <laughs> but not that surprised. Did he say I something mean, about espresso beans or no? No, he's in trouble again for saying, but I mean, just for mitigating the... Situation. I mean, who 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 ends up being a high-ranking position on the coronavirus task force, and then it's like coronavirus. Um, why do you think there's a task force, Scott? Um, uh, uh, he basically he sent a tweet, which he then clarified, but didn't delete. I don't care about deleting tweets. I, I you know, but uh, essentially saying, you know, this is outrageous. I'm paraphrasing because I don't have it in front of me, and you know, we need to rise up. Um, yeah, you know, it, about the integrity of the life. That's right, specifically about Michigan. Yeah, and and obviously that's uh, where the militia threatened to murder the governor. So saying "rise up and get your freedom back" in Michigan is, and the last part's a little bit of a paraphrase too, uh, is deeply problematic. And then he's like, "Oh, what me? Oh, golly gee, I would never talk about violence. I just happen to be Michigan, and I just happen to say rise up." Uh, you know, very, and then uh, it sounded very similar to the language that Trump used about stand by and, you know, and, and 
calling those guys out who have the you know the Gadsden flags for don't tread on me, etc. Oh, golly gee. Now they were planning to murder the governor of that state. <laughs> what a wild um, coincidence. So, you know, I, uh, and I know guys on the right point to, you know, violence by Antifa. There's just a couple of things they don't get. One, the idea that Antifa would follow the edicts of anyone in government uh, shows a general lack of knowledge about where anarchists stand on things, right? Can, hey, can Joe, Bi Joe Biden interrupt. says take to the streets. Go ahead. Yeah, you're making such a great point that I'm going to interrupt you. Um, like today online, somebody was like, uh, why doesn't Biden make them stop? Because they wouldn't listen to Biden. They have no interest in listening to Biden. These guys are all so top down that from the very, you know, highest rungs of government all the way to the you know, the guy with no power at all. They all listen to whatever Trump says maniacally, cultishly, and would never think of varying from it. Whereas on the left, if Biden told Antifa to not do something, they would be literally 10 times more likely to do it. Yeah, they, I mean, the notion that Antifa supports the Biden-Harris ticket. I mean, we got, let's find an incredibly centrist politician who's demonstrated his centerness for 47 years and the left of center vice president. <laughs> yeah, we got it. We'll follow, uh, we'll follow them. So, uh, one, that's crazy. Two, it's not organized. Three, obviously the right is overblowing it. And four, anyone on Antifa who commits violence, uh, ought to be arrested, right? There's no, everyone thinks that every sane person thinks that. So, uh, just like Bernie Sanders said this weekend, when asked about defund the police, he was like, look, no Democratic elected politician has said that. I was like, well, God bless you. Um, yeah. that's Bernie Sanders, for crying out loud. So anyway, so I, I, I pay attention to Dave Rubin a lot because he, here's this will make him happy. He triggers me <laughs> deeply, <laughs> deeply, deeply, deeply. And, um, and he's always showing little videos of leftist violence. And uh, to not understand the difference between uh, a couple of random guys in Antifa, again, anarchists, they have no leader. Um, and Scott Atlas or Donald Trump talking to the Proud Boys or, or Scott Atlas uh, sending not even coded messages, uncoded messages. Like you could crack that code if you're in the militia. Well, I don't know. What do you think Scott Atlas means? I don't know. He's not being clear. <laughs> Who does he mean? <laughs> um, you know, so uh, I got what it. What should we step up to? I don't well, know. Should we vote to? again? Uh, I know the voting passed two weeks ago. I, I know that's what I heard. How else would we step up after? Oh. <laughs> um, anyway, I, uh, I I just can't bear it. I still can't believe that guy was in my house. Um, so, because uh, I invited him. Um, so, uh, eight times. Scott we Atlas was in your house? Scott Atlas. I, I'd rather have had Scott Atlas in my house than Dave Rubin. I, I, I it's oh, literally Dave. can't believe it. Yeah. Um, we had a nice meal. We had dinner all the time. So, um, the... Uh, uh, so uh, are we done with Scott Atlas? Are we good? No. Uh, oh. it, it opened up 17 different new things. All right. Fair enough. So speaking of Dave Rubin, um, he he apparently is now obsessed with tweeting about, like, I guess, mass. I, I don't know. By the, uh, oh, yeah. Right. I know. I saw him at the, because I can't help it. I saw, I, I was so good for like a year and a half. And then like, I don't know. You know what it did? It was that, uh, uh, it was the tweet 
that Trump sent to him. Like, hey, thanks to Dave Rubin for, you know, supporting me. And then uh, Rubin retweeted it with a bunch of nonsense American flags, um, you know, because it's literally un-American to restrict uh, anything, to restrict uh, people's uh, voting rights. Um, and I, that just triggered it. I, I'd gone some time and then all of a sudden I just, I'm every day, not every day, but often. And I'm like, what did he say? What did he say? Who's he retweeting? And it even went back before that because I caught some of his interview with Donald Trump Jr., which I watched. And they were all buddy-buddy. And Dave was talking about how he and his uh, husband uh, met Trump in Mar-a-Lago and how he and Melania were much closer than he thought, Trump and Melania. And and he talked to Don Jr. and how Ben Shapiro or Candace Owens whisked him through or Charlie Kirk. Um, And I was like, what is happening? And I know it already happened. Right. It already happened. The thing that I'm now reacting to. But. uh, Oh, my God, it's tough. It's tough. It's tough. It's tough. Donald Trump Jr. Who's friends with Donald Trump Jr.? Uh, Classical liberals would be my first guess. Uh, (laughs) See, it's funny. You and Anna are more upset about it. Uh, I'm more amused by it. Um, But every once in a while, I have. Uh, and so, look, I guess I internalized that he was a grifter uh, before you guys did. So I'm like nothing he's done since the first lie has surprised me. Uh, the first lie surprised me greatly when he's like, I left TYT because I, I forget what his first lie was, but he was outraged at our content or something and was taking a principal stand. I was like, no, dude, you told me you got an offer to that somebody doubled your salary and that you were going to leave. And I said, OK. Uh, yeah, in fact, I did say, OK, I said, good luck. Go get him. And we'll here. We'll even give you your channel, uh, even though it's our intellectual property. Right. We did everything like so. Then the first time he lied about us, I was like, what what just happened? Why did he do that? That was so weird. Right. Yeah. And and because for folks at home, it re- we really were friends. We we used to yeah, play we basketball. Yeah. 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 Every Sunday together. And. And Dave had two specialties, come to think of it. And every, the reason I bring it up now is because the only vestige of my surprise or anything le- left is thinking about Sunday basketball. And, yeah. you know, uh, he's, he was a three-point specialist. He didn't like yeah. uh, going anywhere near, forget the paint. I mean, he. <laughs> I don't know yeah. that it means anything. I don't think it means anything. Um, and then uh, he was good at blocking people from behind when they weren't suspecting it. That's well, true. I, I don't even I don't even remember that. I don't I don't yeah. recall that. That's good. <laughs> that one that um, one's nicely symbolic. Yeah, he he blocked a bunch of my three point shots from behind because yeah. I didn't even realize he was back there. And it's a good. Uh, it's a good it's a, I mean, he was a good player because he could he could literally win a game by hitting three three pointers. You know. Yeah, well, I wouldn't go that far, but yeah, he was fine. <laughs> I mean, he was a good. I don't three want to give him credit shooter. for anything. No, he was totally fine, and yeah. so. And, and the, the, of course, the point of the story is that, like, it never occurred to any of us that a guy that we were friends with and close to would turn around and not only support the, the Donald Trumps of the world, but to then actively lie about us, I mean, flagrantly, massively, ridiculously. Uh, because if you haven't had that happen in your personal life, it is unsettling. When you know something is really, really untrue and a guy's saying it with a straight face and you're kind of stunned by it. A guy who's a right, who knows it. I mean, who's a friend. I I used, you know, I mean, the lies I get, I don't know, man. 
I just, I can't. Uh, anyway, I, I, I went years and then somehow the, the, the conversation with Donald Trump Jr. And the, and then the bragging about Mar-a-Lago. I just, I, I don't know, man. Again, congratulations. I'm a, a triggered leftist. Um, yeah. Well done. Yeah. And I want to congratulate Dave on, on one other thing. Uh, he, he, it turns out somebody on earth, some of his writings back from 2004 and stuff. And it turns out that he's not uh, uh, playing the right wing. He, he played us, uh, to be fair to Dave. I don't know. I don't know what's fair or unfair. Um, but in, in reality, it turns out he was always a right winger. Uh, I mean, he had some outrageously terrible things to say on, on the issue of race. But he when he was at TYT, he hit that a billion percent. He he seemed like a progressive. He acted that way. He talked that way. Everything he said on air, with the exception of Israel, where he was a little bit more honest about his right wing leanings, um, he was seemed perfectly progressive. It turns out he was lying about that too. I mean, we hosted an NBA show together. The NBA. Who betrays the NBA? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's just, I don't know. We've talked about it enough. Doesn't matter. But it uh, yeah. it uh, it gets to the and and again, everybody on the right with the, the Antifa. Uh, we're all against Antifa. Uh, uh, no one should be able to hit anybody over the head ever under any circumstances, yeah. unless well, they hit you over the head first. That's a then have at it. I mean, then it's a fight. Don't have at it, but then it's a fight. <laughs> right. Okay. So actually, I, I want to make a point about that too. So the video that I saw, or a couple of videos that I saw, and I'm sure there might be more, but there's actually a reason why I don't look at right-wing videos, because they're almost all doctored. So I'm not going to learn anything from it. Uh, in in fact, I there's an, like a 90% chance uh, that it'll be the exact opposite of what you're seeing. And so um, I, I try not to look at those, and they've lost all credibility. You know, you name it, uh, a right-wing uh, so-called media organization, and I could show you dozens of lies to the point where, um, no, if they show me an article, I think the more likely situation is that it's the exact opposite, right? And so anyways, but I did happen to see a couple on Twitter. And so it does look like whoever it was, I know it just gets, Antifa's almost Borg the brand of anyone else. I don't know if anybody else cared to have a brand or anything, but like whenever anything goes wrong, like everybody's like Antifa. I have no idea if it is or not, and they have no idea if it's a, it is or not. No, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah which but also whoever, means yeah. So yeah, go ahead, go ahead. But whoever did it, throwing eggs and water at MAGA guys is just about one of the dumbest things you could do, right? Because so, so lame. yeah, one, what did it accomplish? Yeah. It accomplished nothing, right? Number two, it makes you look like the bad guys. Number three, much worse, it they then uh, say that it is the equivalent of the Nazis running over somebody with a car in Charlottesville, right? What are you doing? And but number four, the the number one reason why they shouldn't do it, or apparently the number four reason, uh, is that. Um, they those MAGA guys are dying to be the victims. Okay. They love victimhood. It's their favorite thing in the world. That's why they do projection and blame progressives for doing that. When in reality, I mean, if you say to them happy holidays, they're like, how dare you, motherfucker? Right? Sorry, beep it out. Uh, okay. Like, I, I, I don't want happy holidays. I want Merry freaking Christmas. Right? So they, 
they're waiting to get triggered. They're they're the biggest snowflakes in the world. So the minute you throw the first egg, you've given them exactly what they wanted. Oh, we're the victims. Antifa egged us. We murdered seven people in response. But oh, we were egged. We were egged. By the way, in this case, just to be totally, I know it's old school, but I want to be accurate. In in the MAGA march, seven people were not murdered. Okay, yeah, no. I'm just and, needlessly clarifying. But who? But who throws an egg? Throws an egg. And I mean, better than a rock. It's harmless. Um, and who throws water? I mean, it's just going to dry. Like, it's not that big a deal, you know? Yeah, uh, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, water is wet from the standpoint of water. Uh, but other than that, you're that really not very, getting much out of it. That was very George Bushian. <laughs> that was that's a direct quote from uh, Trump. Oh, is that right? Yeah, oh, what, yeah. was it, what did he say? Water is wet from the standpoint of water. Yes. Yeah. Well, he's right. Um, <laughs> actually, uh, some scientists showed that actually water is not wet from the standpoint of water. Uh, <laughs> but that lost me, so I don't really know. I don't. I didn't understand it, but but you know, videos. Yeah, I got, I got it. There, you know, I, there was one video of this uh, uh, MAGA guy getting hit from behind, and nobody should hit him from behind. And I'd I'd arrest that guy. But left out was that the MAGA guy started like twenty eight fights before that. You know. Oh, I know. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it turns anyway. out, like, yeah, we talked about it on the production meeting today. Turns out. Uh, Andy No tweets something that Donald Trump, of course, retweeted because there is no uh, doctored video or conspiracy theory that Donald Trump will not retweet. Uh, and it turns out if you run the tape longer, that guy who got assaulted well, had assaulted people viciously. Uh, and, and of course, they have it on tape. They just cut it when somebody finally punched back. And they're like, oh, Antifa, the, first the eggs. And then they punch yeah. back against the guy who's assaulting half the crowd. Yeah. Um, the mobs are bad, man. I mean, they're bad. They're bad news. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the videos are all wrong. And that reminds me, it's, a, it's like, and of course, the, the left is capable, obviously, of the, you know, if, if data, if the understanding of data, and, you know, I, I love data. I'm not. I'm no expert, but I like it. I think if you're a serious baseball fan, you know it was ingrained in me from a, as a kid. Um, it doesn't matter if you go over four with three strikeouts. Like you got to show me what you've done over the season, really. But what you've done certainly in the last couple of weeks, like you're going to go over four with three strikeouts sometimes. But Twitter, like, is a world of oh my god, he went over two with two strikeouts. What a loser! Right? That's sort of and. <laughs> And and we and 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 obviously the left is capable of too because we we see a video and decide that that video represents I don't know right and it's just a video right now it's a little different with uh, it's not I think substantially different because the videos are specific to one profession with the police and violence because it, we're seeing the whole thing right. Uh, usually or eventually we see the whole thing and we see that the the behavior in the cases that we know about is is outrageous right um but but generally just seeing a video of a it's just it's useless and 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 everybody who's like oh, oh look at this uh, proof that i don't know whatever it's proof of but i i i'm sure i violated it but i never retweet a video ever or talk about it because i'm thinking i don't really know what happened and neither do you 
Yeah. Um, so obviously, I want to go back to Iwan Al Zawahiri um, because it goes towards um, the the power of media. Um, because I know it was a random thing that we brought up in the middle of the conversation. So he he he's we he used to be the number two guy at Al Qaeda. We've all forgotten about Al Qaeda. Uh, but presumably Zawahiri is now the number one guy at Al-Qaeda and has been ever since we killed bin Laden. Um, although, if you believe Trump, we didn't kill bin Laden. <laughs> of course, is, that, is, that, is that something he said? Yeah, he was talking about how uh, it was you know, something like a photo op. He even spoke out against the Navy SEAL team, uh, saying everything was fake. And then turns out the guy who killed bin Laden has been going to Trump rallies and speaking at them as part of Navy SEAL Team 6, obviously. And he's like, what are you, what are you doing? Yeah, Wait, what are you doing? I killed bin Laden. I know who I killed. It wasn't a body double. What the hell are you talking about? Oh, so, it just dawned on you that Donald Trump's a liar. <laughs> Hello, welcome to Earth. Yeah, right, 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 right. It's All right, so, but the, real quick, the point on Zohiri is, it's amazing what the, the power of media, right? So no one has talked about Zawahiri in what, like a decade? That's right. Yeah, five years certainly, maybe more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And certainly, you're right. Be... A decade. I mean, you might add a couple of, of mentions here and there when talking about Afghanistan, but yeah, right. It used to be that oh my God, Joe Bin Laden and Zawahiri and Zawahiri. Oh my God, the mad dentist Zawahiri. Oh my God, and Al Qaeda. Al Qaeda's coming for us. Oh, well, he's presumably the head of Al Qaeda, and we just never talk about him. And so when the media decides we're done with a narrative, oh, big bad Al-Qaeda, now apparently irrelevant. Let me say a couple of things real quick. One, uh, the number of number two guys at Al-Qaeda used to amuse us enormously, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, we'd kill somebody and then we have the number two guy at Al-Qaeda. Oh, my God, that moved the number three guy up. I didn't see that coming. Right now we gotta now we gotta kill that guy. And then I just like the idea of uh, Zawahiri um, still seeing patients, right? Like people have kind of forgotten. People have kind of forgotten about him. They're like, hey, we got a big planning meeting, and he's like, oh, we got to do it uh, in the late afternoon because I got the two people coming in. One guy got a crown, another root canal, and I I got to do. It. I got to make some money. We're not uh, we're not we're not operating as we did before. Osama bin Laden was in charge of finance. Yeah, they, losing their finance guy must have, I must have hurt the big guy, and uh, and I can see the patience now. Really, we're going to do a root canal without painkiller. Yeah, so right. oh, yeah. oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. No, no painkiller in, in this dentist's office. Okay. Right, right, right. Anyway, uh, all right, we got to take a, a break or end this show. We got God bless you guys. Uh, Tyt.com/slash/join. You get the whole show. All right, back on old school, Jenkin and Ben. Uh, you know, it's it's a crazy week. We're talking about a lot of different things, uh, including the Million Man March, Million MAGA March that had apparently was it twelve hundred or twelve thousand people? Um, uh, might have, might have had twelve thousand. You know, I think, I think uh, but I don't, I don't even know twelve thousand. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, everybody online is saying it, but you got to stop calling things a Million Man March if they're not within the ballpark of a, of a million, yeah, right? I, I, you, you bring 875,000 people out. I'm good. That's fine. No problem. Call it million man March. Right. And, and so is some, hold on, let me just ask this. So I know you gotta get back to the point, but, but does, is something wrong with Kellyanne Conway or is she just not care? 
Like she tweets, oh, my God, you saw the support for Donald Trump. A million people came a day later, a day and a half later. I mean, they're, so, I mean, what is that about? Is that, I mean, uh, I mean, it, I got now, I mean, I, you used to talk about cult, like, but is it, like, what would possess someone in the face of overwhelming evidence that there were fewer than 15,000, 12,000 people there to then tweet from your official position as the press secretary at the White House? Communication, whatever she is. Um, Kaylee McEnany. What did I? Yes, I did. I'm sorry, Kay, Kaylee McEnany. Yes, yes, not Kellyanne Conway. So, so is something wrong with Kaylee McEnany? <laughs> now, I've, now I've reset. So, to tweet uh, as the official spokesperson for the White House that, that that there were a million people at something where there, I mean, I got it, man. If there's six hundred thousand people there and you want to inflate it to a million, I think we're having a pointless discussion, right? Yeah. Hey, man, you got a tremendous amount of people. Well done. Uh, but like, so is something, I mean, is it a, what is that about the people there? What is it about her in specific? I mean, she has access to information. I understand the people who follow, I, I, who are supporters. I do, to some extent. I do not understand that. That, is it just a lie? And yeah. she go home like she doesn't care? Or does she think that the media is lying and there were close to a million people there? No, no, I, I know this with great certainty. Um, All right. That's why I asked. <laughs> so it's, it's the bubble phenomenon. So in her bubble, 90% of people are saying, oh, Trump won. Uh, and, and, and every lie is considered totally real. And so it might, has Kayleigh McEnany actually lost her mind and thinks that 12,000 people are a million people? Probably not. But does she think now that lying on purpose flagrantly is what her job is? Because that's what every single person in her bubble is saying? Yes, she definitely thinks that, right? She so, definitely thinks that thinks that thinks that it's okay to lie or well, that, that that's her job. That oh, in I order to yeah. make the president happy, she has to go, go along with his flagrant lies. Uh, and it's not just making Trump happy, it's making the base happy, right? Yeah. And, and so there's two uh, things to that. One is the, the proximate cause. Uh, the, the story that I read that I thought was most um, illuminating on this was that they're not allowed to use the word Biden in the White House. They say if anybody says Joe Biden's name, Trump gets furious and you might be fired on the spot, Okay. So what about biting? Like if someone says <laughs> we're just biting time, you think like he's going to recognize the difference? What? Oh, biting. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Yeah, you're fine. Yeah, yeah. There's some chance he doesn't know the word Biden. Oh, so yeah. yeah. So he might. Oh yeah. I guess you're Joe biting your time, huh? Okay. Anyway, uh, so there's a, to some degree almost a literal insane asylum in the White House right now, where everyone is not saying certain magic words. They've all agreed to fictions that they kind of know are fictions, but some have for forgotten that they're fictions. And so it's a loony bin over there. And, and you can't underestimate the degree to which they're all thinking the same way and not at all like us. And that's why they seem for so foreign to us. And then the second aspect of it is, in order, in order to continue their careers, they're so, I think they're wrong about this calculation, by the way, 
but they they think they're so neck deep. Well, the gravy train is with the Trump base. So if I want to continue making money and hopefully lots of money, I'm going to take some sort of position that is to egg on the Trump base funded by a right-wing billionaire or a think tank or a Trump organization, et cetera. Uh, there's no, they're in for a penny, in for a pound. Um, now, the reason I think they're wrong about that is I think CNN will hire her in a second. She just doesn't realize it. Uh, they'd be thrilled to hire her. Oh, they're like, oh yes, now come live for us. That's great, it's a great idea, I love it, okay? Uh, so th that's an interesting question and I would like us to wager on it because I think they won't. But I do not feel super confident. So mm, yeah. I think it'd be a I think it'd be a fun bet. Like does 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 she get hired at a mainstream place that isn't Fox uh, in the what six months uh, after uh, year's office? Yeah, let's see a right. year. And I, since I'm the fairest man in America, I'll give you even odds. Okay, twenty bucks straight up. All right. All right. Okay, I say she Write gets that hired. one down on a. I'm going to write that down on a pad I will not be able to locate. In fact, I found one of your pads at my house. Uh, <laughs> sure, <you did. laughs> looks really good. I'm going to return to you the next time I see you in 2022. Yeah, have it. That's all yours. <laughs> Don't just start right there. Go nuts. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so uh, and look, it's true for progressives too. So in Congress, nobody's going to challenge Nancy Pelosi from the left. The only uh, uh, challenge that was even contemplated. And the votes on Wednesday um, was Hakeem Jeffries challenging her from the right, um, and so um, and so why don't progressives challenge Nancy Pelosi? Because now they're in a different bubble. They're in the Washington bubble, and in the Washington bubble, challenging Nancy Pelosi is unspeakable. You would be a monster of monsters to do that, and it, and it violates every code and every piece of etiquette that the Democratic Party has. Uh, for progressives and 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 the media would pile on, everybody would hate you, right? But what they forget is the rest of the country doesn't live in Washington. We don't care about that etiquette at all. And and we find it weird, super weird that they none of them have ever challenged Nancy Pelosi on a goddamn thing. So they're in the wrong bubble and bubbles are incredibly powerful, their effect on human yeah. psychology. So yeah, there's there is a for the last uh, you know really since 1994, and uh, the contract with America is that I, I know a lot of people uh, on the left are motivated to defend Nancy Pelosi because she is in many ways defined by her foes, right? Her political foes, who starting with Newt Gingrich and that guy too. I mean, what what is he looking for? I mean, you know, I mean. Again, this was a guy who cared about government and has completely uh, abandoned the reservation, like Giuliani, who we'll talk about. Uh, I mean, it wasn't even a, a you know, it's like, uh, you know, you know what I'm saying about it. So I got to remember not to use that language there. Use that against me. Um, so, um, but I don't, I, I, I can't remember what I was going to say. It was good, though. Would you just say? A oh, Pelosi, right. So I know a lot of people on the left who, 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 praise Pelosi because of the viciousness of the right to her, right? And there's a fair amount of sexism in that, same, same as Hillary Clinton. Um, and so you, you instinctively defend her because you're, you're, you're repulsed in many ways by the leading figures who try to marginalize her. But I am struck now 
you know, and I don't hold her responsible for what happened in the House. I mean, she's not really in charge of the campaigns. But overall, you just have to look at Democratic leadership and look at a party that's won seven seven of the last eight elections as a majority and doesn't have one in the Senate, an indictment to some extent of the people who've been leading the Democratic Party, and that would include her. But there is a, uh, you're definitely right, there is a knee-jerk reaction to, oh, we love Pelosi. And I just think, but, you're, but we're losing. <laughs> like, I mean, it's not personal. Obama just said, you know, remember when you're a president, I said on 60 Minutes, you know, you're a, you're a public servant and you hold that job until that job, until it's your time to go. And, uh, you know, I, a guy has, you know, obviously got a great rhetorical flourish. But I mean, in politics, at some point, it's your time to go. Right. And for Nancy Pelosi, if she's not speaker, she's not going to stay in Congress. But like, you don't, you're not obligated to have that job. In fact, you probably shouldn't have that job forever. And when Democrats lose a thousand House seats, uh, you know, over the course of a, of a decade in state legislatures around the country uh, and lose the ability to redistrict, uh, lose the ability to stop uh, draconian laws that restrict a woman's right to choose, uh, that restrict voting rights, right, that make it incre- make it difficult at a bare minimum to register to vote and to vote, um, you know, uh, in, a, in, a, in a way that uh, massively adversely uh, affects poor people and people of color, because we're talking about poor people uh, in, in, in many communities. So, and that's deliberate prevent the people who, who were unable to stop that, it's okay to replace them. It doesn't mean you hate her, right? I mean, it's just, it's just you need a different kind of leadership. And obviously, uh, uh, that applies to a guy who I thought might be okay, but isn't, uh, uh, Tom Perez. Yeah, I mean, really, Tom Perez is going to stay ahead of the DNC. But honestly, what difference does it make? Uh, because if Biden replaces him, he's going to replace him with Tom Perez 2, right? Yeah. 2.0. It doesn't mm-hmm. There's no way in the world they're ever going to put a progressive in any of those positions, and until we win. But, but, so, but hold on, let me just let me just jump in because there, there, let me just say quickly because there's there's something to. Am I freezing? Do I need to reboot, reload, or whatever the hell we do? Or am I okay? Asher, am I okay? Well, for now, you're all right. So, all right. So for now, um, like there's some. Yeah, he's not going to appoint a progressive, but there is. You know, to, to quote you, you you don't have to. Anybody can fight. Right. And fight properly. Yeah. Right. It's not I got it. They're not going to appoint a full on progressive. But, you know, like, I mean, what I'm reading and I don't know if it's true or if it really holds up in, in, in progressive circles. But, you know, Ron Klain has shown an understanding of the progressive movement, even if he's not a progressive. Yeah. OK, now you did freeze, but at a good time, like, because I, I, I can explain the Ron Klain thing. So, look, Ron Klain uh, appears to be a good guy. And uh and so he's Biden's chief of staff now, and he hears people out, and that's really important. And so Joe Biden chose not to pick a fight with progressives, so that's good. And and in that chief of staff, you do want to unite it, right? Not with Republicans. You want to unite it within the party, right? But, Ben, to your point about fighters, the unfortunately, uh, the only people they ever have that are fighters are fight progressives. Rahm Emanuel, Sherry Bustos. You name any aggressive Democrat, uh, you know, in in our pretty much in our lifetimes, and they're aggressive against progressives, not against Republicans. Rahm Emanuel has never ever laid a glove on a Republican. 
um, he, you know, ah, oh, no, he curses. He's so tough. Oh, yeah. He called liberals effing retarded. Oh, he's so tough. Really name one time he ever did anything to Republicans. Soft. Soft as the other side of the pillow. And same yeah. with Sherry Bustos. Oh, my God, Not I'm going to blacklist all progressives. How dare you guys run against us? We're going to destroy your careers. We're going to ruin your lives. And then, by the way, she almost lost her own race. Oh, I'm going to run as yeah. a conservative Democrat. Oops, I'm sick there. They had to put in a million dollars in the last week to rescue her race because she was about to lose. So th there's fighters, but they fight in the wrong direction. Well, I got you, but you're you're over you're not wrong, but you're oversimplifying it because there yes, there have been many fighters who fought progressives and the mainstream of the Democratic Party fought fought, fought progressives. There's there's that point that is uh, indisputable that you've made. Um, uh, but you know there are people who are passionate about politics who are capable of fighting and 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 you know and at times you if you want if it makes you feel better you fight progressives. But I'm talking about. The what you talk about a, a a language that is different and a uh, a, a recognition uh, that you ought not flinch, right? So Ben, you were saying that uh, there have been fighters in the Democratic Party and they haven't always fought progressives. Uh, although I like the part where you said I was indisputable or point that I was making. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, I, I hear you on that. So he, like, but there's not even a conversation about things that would be rational. And within bounds of reason. For example, in the Senate, they unanimously reelected uh, everyone in leadership as if they just won. Um, right. They lost uh, and badly in the Senate. Um, and uh, and so a compromise way to go would have been Ed Markey, for example. Right. So mm -hmm. Ed Markey's on the progressive side, but you know he he co-sponsored Green New Deal, but historically he's been moderate to progressive, right? And yeah, so right. He, he's not some radical, wild-eyed Antifa dude, right? <laughs> as if yeah. any of them are. Anyway, um, and but at least he showed he got it. He had a lot of fight in him the way he pounded uh, Joe Kennedy uh, in, in the primary, right? He was losing, then he came back. Uh, he was losing by a good amount, and he came yeah. back and won by a good amount. That's so right. th that would be a really rational discussion to have. But hey, maybe Ed's got something figured out. And he's a veteran, you know. Uh, I don't mean of the armed forces, although he uh, maybe he is. But I have I don't I don't know. I mean of of Congress. He was in the House. He was in the Senate. Uh, and so his, it's not his, real quick. Just because I don't want to get too far away from that point, because it will seem irrelevant. Uh, Ed Markey's wife is. A, you ready for this? An admiral. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay, so um, so that would be a, a guy to at least consider, to think about, right? But no, the bubble of Washington, both for Democrats and the media, is Democratic leadership is untouchable. Uh, they're demigods. And it's hilarious because they're yeah. everyone else on the in the country, they look incredibly weak and ineffectual. But in Washington, they're convinced that they're they're right next to Maui. I watch too many kids' movies. You'll yeah. understand that reference from Moana. Anyway, um, yes. So yeah, no. I, I by the way, you you slightly misquoted me. Not out of uh, that. I, I don't know. I don't care whether I'm. I wasn't really suggesting that there have been great fighters in the party who didn't fight progressives. Obviously, there have been. But you know, your sense of what you write about is a is a direction, right? Obviously, there are blips in the direction, and there are moments that don't apply. Um, so, Jack, um, the. Uh, 
We're what good. I'm suggesting is that, and and if Ron Klain is an example that, and not that he's some great fighter, but he does, as you say, listen, and that could expand people who are at the table when he recognizes that the future of the party is different than the future of the party uh, 10 years ago, or at least the perception of the future of the party. No, what I was saying is that there can be, like, you don't have to be, I wasn't talking about the past, I don't care, the, the um, although, again, you're right about it, that, that, that you don't have to, you shouldn't fight progressives, but you don't have to be a progressive to take on what you're facing on the right in a way that, by the way, will inevitably help progressives. Maybe not as much as they want, but there's a way to do it, right? And, and you don't have to be swinging from the left uh, to do it. You just have to be aggressive. You have to be uh, a puncher, especially a puncher when you've been punched. To me, that's, and I know it's, you, you agree, it, it, that's just good politics. Forget the policy, yeah. it's good politics. So here, I'll give one last example, then we'll move on. Uh, when they did impeachment of Trump, they we had to uh, drag them kicking and screaming to, to actually do it. Uh, and they only did it when it touched Joe Biden. Uh, and then, okay, now this doesn't have anything to do with progressives. When you're doing the impeachment against Trump, you should have hit him with five federal crimes so that he then has to go on the defense and explain why he didn't commit those crimes. And actually, he's not going to be able to explain it because he actually did commit those crimes, right? Yeah. And then we're having a conversation about how big a criminal is Donald Trump. Instead, they charged him with no crimes, which allowed the Republicans to say, wait, why are we doing impeachment if he didn't That's commit right. any crimes? Because they, yeah, they got mean, no fight in them. They got no fight. They're not good at this. I was just listening to uh, probably uh, NPR because all I can figure out how to get when I'm taking a walk. Um, the uh, uh, and I, uh, and, you know, they all say they say with a very clear voice, you know, the Democrats presented no evidence in the impeachment, right? And you're like, no, they they presented a ton of evidence, a barrage and a waterfall of evidence. But they don't care. And so that, to your point, sort of allowed them to say, well, there's no crime. They didn't present any evidence of a crime. That's what we're saying, right? Um, and yeah, I agree. If you're going to do it and you're going to take what was clearly a risk in doing it, right, that you motivate the other side, that it won't work, that there's, you're not going to get, uh, 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 you're certainly not going to get a conviction in the Senate. So you got to weaponize it to make it valuable, valuable politically. And enabling them to say there's no evidence of a crime and him to just say it was a perfect call and that to be enough, uh, it just strikes me as, as kind of a, a rookie mistake, except it's a it's a 45-year veteran <laughs> making the mistakes. Yeah, they're all 80. This whole system is so screwed. Well, you know, the leadership of the Democratic Party in the House, uh, uh, Clyburn, Hoyer, and Pelosi, I think are all either right at, around 80 or over 80. And yeah, that's 200, and they're nearly 250 years old between them. Yeah, a quarter of a millennium between them, okay? Uh, so the reason is because corruption works, and so they're the ones who raise the most money, so they stay in power forever and ever and ever and ever. And the other reason is the media. Um, and they, How anyone could think that Schumer and Pelosi shouldn't be challenged or are master legislators Anyone who doesn't live in Washington finds that to be the most perplexing thing that you've ever heard. But everyone in Washington, including all of the Washington media, 
is outraged by the idea that Nancy Pelosi well, is not a master legislator. Well, again, we we I disagree as always with your uh, the the broadness of your points, but whatever. Let's ignore that for a second. But but I brought up before I froze earlier. Uh, Ron Brownstein, who was the national political correspondent for many years for the Los Angeles Times. I think he's with the National Journal. He's an incredibly smart guy. And he was suggesting, like, you know, especially with James Langford, the senator from from Oklahoma, I think this was his point. Uh, I think it related to Langford. I know his point. Uh, you know, Langford said very, you know, normally in this era, we're going to call it bold uh, last week that, uh, Trump needed to start that Biden needed to start receiving national security briefings. And if it didn't happen by Friday, he was going to do something about it. Right. And then over the weekend, after saying that on Wednesday, over the weekend, as, I, as you know, Jake, he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm in no rush. Right? <laughs> he's Loose. He's up for reelection in 2022. He's in Oklahoma. I don't think he's worried about a Democrat beating him. He's worried about being primary. Um, and he got a talking to, and I mean, uh, you know, I, I got it. I mean, you know, everything I say is going to end up, you know, is going to work itself into your point, but I mean, come on, what, what's the worst that happens is you lose a Senate seat, right? Uh, and you'll be okay. You're a former Senator. You'll make a lot of money. Um, but Ron Brownstein pointed this out, like does Joe, does Joe Biden really think that he's going to get these guys to be cooperative? And and although I think Brownstein is is you know he's always been smart and I don't know how much of he's certainly part of the establishment but he has frequently uh, uh, spoken in a way that is uh, uh, clearly he just figures stuff out. Uh, I thought it was somewhat noteworthy that here is a significantly mainstream Washington institutionalist journalist pointing out that hey man uh, that, that that the likelihood of bipartisanship uh, is is not just unlikely it's it's. Uh, it's largely inconceivable. Yeah, so we, we got to go to the members-only portion of old school. Uh, but I, I want to talk a, a little bit more about Langford because what I would do to him if I was in the Senate. And so, and, and we'll talk about, like, could a person like me ever, ever, ever be in the Senate? Uh, but that's, we'll save it for the members, tyt.com slash join to become a member. Uh, check out twostrongcoffee.com slash tyt for great uh, progressive organic fair trade coffee that tastes delicious. Thank you guys. Hold on, right. we, wait, yeah. five seconds, five seconds. I just want to give a preview of coming up in the member segment and answer to your question of whether uh, you could, someone like you could ever serve in the Senate, or you could ever serve in the Senate. Uh, no. <laughs> okay, we'll end on that. All right, so for the, now the members only section. Um, so, guys, um, here's what I would do, and, and you're going to see immediately why no one else would do it. Um, so I'd get up today uh, in the Senate. I'd give a speech about the coward uh, 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 Senator Lankford, right? And, and people would be outraged, and they'd gavel me, and they'd say, you know, oh, you know, you're— uh, you're not allowed to say that about another member. And then I would ask for a point of order. And I would say, uh, when someone is a coward and a weakling like James Lankford, um, you tell me what I should call him. Um, because I remember him distinctly saying on Wednesday that he would hold Trump accountable. And here we are on Monday, and he's now backpedaled out of that like a weakling. Am I, am I allowed to say weakling? Am I, what am I allowed to say about James Lankford because I'm going to say it. Um, yeah, 
I, I don't. I, nothing that stops you from doing that. They're on the other side. They do it to you all of the time. But for some reason, it seems unconscionable for a Democrat to do it back. Why? Yeah, I mean, they, they demonize AOC uh, wisely from a politics point of view, right? I mean, it enables them to scare people in the middle. I mean, they misrepresent uh, her uh, consistently. Uh, but yeah, I get it. I don't know. I don't know why the left, uh, the Democrats, whatever you want to call it, the Democrats don't recognize the value in demonizing people who especially behave terribly. I mean, there's not a rational person who doesn't think Joe Biden ought to be receiving intelligence briefings. This isn't left, right? This is like- Can you believe that not a single yeah. senator, has Democratic senator has gotten up and said, oh, you cowards, you all know Donald Trump is lying. Every single one of you in this body knows that Donald Trump is lying. You've all read the court cases. You all know that he hasn't presented a shred of evidence. And you're, you're all backing his lies to subvert democracy, to destroy democracy. Is that the kind of un-American cowards you are? Yeah, oh my I, God, I, over there, your cherished colleagues. Those cherished colleagues rip your face off on a daily basis. For God's sake, fight back. And, and it also, it gives others an opportunity to go, well, you know, Senator Huger's uh, language was not the language that I would have used, and I would urge him not to do that, but he's not wrong, right? I mean, it just, yeah. it, 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 right, it enables them to take a principled stand and be on the right side and use you, who would, you know, be in some district where you always win, um, you know, uh, to, I mean, I, again, it's, I mean, it's not theater, it's, uh, politics is not a bad word, it is the application of in some cases, it's the application of political pressure, pushing and pushing so that you can get the things achieved that you think are important, that you believe in. Uh, it's not, it's, and, and, and there is no question, and again, you don't have to be from the uh, progressive wing of the party to recognize that. And you mentioned Ed Markey in the last show. I mean, whatever, give him the number three job. I mean, give him the number two job. Let him replace Dick Durbin. I, I got it. I'm sure Dick Durbin, there are a lot of things about Dick Durbin that are good that, that I don't know, but come on, man. Like, you know, like, it's okay. We could let Ed Markey uh, into leadership. I don't know whether he wants it. I mean, for crying out loud, we could let Sherrod Brown into leadership. You know, I mean, I, I got it. There's, uh, there's too much going on, but I, I trust that guy to be tougher. He is tougher at times. Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, Sheldon Whitehouse, like seems to understand the value of challenging them, right? Uh, but but uh, yeah. Chuck Schumer does not, or if he does, he 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 doesn't know how to do it. Um, yeah. and we see I that mean, consistently. You're, you're absolutely right, Ben. I'll take Sheldon Whitehouse in a second. I I, I think Sherrod Brown has got issues, but I would take him in a second uh, over uh, Schumer. Uh, these are not hard questions, uh, right. and the yeah. fact they're they're not even discussing it. Anyway, so I actually want to quote the LA Times op-ed. I just pulled it up, uh, endorsing Christy Smith over me in, in, in my uh, so-called congressional run. I, I say that because I'm so mad at myself for, for trying to do it in three and a half months. Knowing what I know now, oh, I, like if I was going to take one shot at it, and it turns out I'm only taking one shot at it, uh, of course, in a sense, I wish I'd, I'd done it right. I had known enough to do it right. Uh, anyway, 
so they, they wrote in the LA Times endorsement of Christie, they said, Uger is seeking the seat to further the progressive agenda he has promoted on his show. But while we agree with him about the corrupting influence of money in politics and some other subjects, we find his pugnacious style off-putting and not conducive to a more civil Congress. Yeah, there you have it. I mean, they. I don't know that there's a better explanation of what our media drives the Democratic Party to do, and why the Democratic Party is so compliant uh, and and not pugnacious with the Republicans. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, look. First of all, let's you know, as I've said before, you're one of the smartest people I've ever met, one of my closest friends. But there's also a way to be pugnacious. You're a talk show host. Right. That's what you wanted to do. You're good at it. Uh, you've made a difference in, in the uh, progressive world, a significant difference. Uh, there's a way to be pugnacious and be less than you. Right. And, and we're not. <laughs> there's a long distance between right. me and, right. and the loudest, toughest progressive in Congress now. So that's right. That's right. That's right. As a, and, and certainly than any uh, member of the Democratic caucus in the Senate. I mean, that's a I mean. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of I mean, room. Look, we where know you who it is. I mean, the funny thing is that the toughest, loudest uh, progressive That's in the right, Senate right. is Bernie Sanders, right? Yeah. And he's a million miles from everyone else in the Senate, and and I would argue I'm a million. He's a million miles from me. Like he in the old days when he was in the House, you find those old videos, and we ran some of them during the primaries. He's ripping people's face off. And he's yeah. saying, you sons of bitches are driving income inequality, you're destroying this country, et cetera. But nowadays, he's been in the bubble too long. He's a wonderful guy. I'm not blaming him for anything. I'm just saying, like, he he refused in 2016 and 2020 uh, to go hard at his opponents. Just would not do it because they were fellow Democrats. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know how much, yeah, whatever. I, I There's unquestionably, certainly from everyone with a D next to their name, like an ability to be much tougher uh, and and be less than you. And you would be pleased to see that because it would it would be at least uh, something in the, uh, in the right direction. Yeah, and it leads to a super interesting question, which is, can there ever be a Democratic Trump? And I don't mean the bad sides of Trump. I hope to God there's never a lying, self-obsessed, narcissist, sociopath like Trump in the Democratic Party. Um, I mean, there's plenty of sociopaths already, but I hope not anywhere near the degree to which Donald Trump is. Um, so I, I mean, the guy who can go into a room, command the room, take over and be loud enough where you just break their talking points, one after another, after another, after another. And the answer might be no, uh, because Democrats are trained by NPR. So they would, even if you took like the, the fighting version of Trump and cleaned it up, all accurate, all honest, uh, absolutely trying to do the right thing, et cetera, I think that Democratic voters would still say, no, he's just too loud. Uh, or she's just too loud. NPR well, told me we're supposed to whisper. So here's where we disagree on stuff because um, it's not that that simple. And I know you don't really think it's simple, but I I, I always bristle at those points and the establishment and what the media would do because all of it is Trump. Is, I mean, obviously the guy's not a rhetorical genius. He's not a genius. He doesn't know what's going on, right? But 
I can't believe I'm about to say it, similar to Bill Clinton and Barack Obama, his presence commanded the room. So there is a possibility for a Democrat to do that. They need the presence of Clinton or Obama, probably some degree of somehow having some celebrity, and then they just need to think differently. Now, you may say that that's impossible. I would say, of course, it's not impossible. We could settle on unlikely, um, probably, and maybe very unlikely. But, you know, and I hate to bring up his name because, you know, he went to prison uh, and and should have gone to prison. But uh, Anthony Weiner in those the videos that we saw in Congress had that in him. And I don't know whether and it would have been very difficult for other Democrats if that guy, let's just say a guy who did that and wasn't him, uh, you know, uh, if that guy. With that background became a leading figure and a potential presidential candidate, I'm not saying they wouldn't try, I wouldn't say they might knock him down, but he wouldn't be uh, assailable as a nut job. Uh, and again, if you can attract people, bring people in, and you know from the manner in which you talk and what you wanted from Bernie Sanders, what we saw in some ways from Bernie Sanders, that there is an ability to attract people who are like, that guy's got my back, right? The thing that Trump had. That guy's got my back. That guy is uh, hammering away at the banks and the people who I think sometimes conspiratorially, sometimes correctly, are controlling the ability that I have to lead my life to the fullest and provide for my family. Um, so there's a possibility. I know it exists. Um, but uh, the culture where we will certainly agree, the culture uh, in Washington, as it is now, um, uh, doesn't seem to certainly doesn't spark that. And so I think that if this person exists, that he will come from uh, from somewhere else. And and, you know, and and be charming and persuasive and have the ability to command a room and be 75,000 times uh, smarter than the current president. Yeah, that would be awesome. So one last thing here before we go, because it goes all the way back to the million MAGA. I, see, look at their framing. They make us say it in, in every time That's we right. mention it. Uh, the thousand MAGA march. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, so I just had Frederick Joseph on uh, the conversation, and he wrote a great book called The Black Friend, where he tries to explain to uh, white people the questions that you want to ask, right, and why they're not cool to ask. But that's OK. I'll, I'll tell you what the answers are, right? And so it's like a really thoughtful, interesting book. And he's a, he's a great marketer. Uh, I, I don't want to get back into his bio. Uh, watch the interview. But... He did something uh, hilarious uh, two years ago. He went in New York with a Redskins shirt, um, but instead of the the logo that they used to have, he put a white person in, and and it said Caucasians underneath it. But otherwise, it looked just like the Washington uh, T-shirt, right? People were furious at him. Really? He's like, he didn't know what was going to happen, right? <laughs> And he's like, like six guys almost crossed the street to beat him up. Uh, and he's like, it just says Caucasians. Doesn't say anything bad. <laughs> Caucasian doesn't imply anything bad. The guy no. looks perfectly normal in the logo, right? It's just a it's not a, no one. No one could argue it's a slur. Yeah, it's not a slur. Whereas Redskins is actually a slur, right? <laughs> and and that goes to privilege. And 
So when they do the march and they do the violence, they view like, well, it's my country. I can do whatever I want. Antifa throws one egg. No, you don't have that privilege. So yeah. you're the violent ones, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and, 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 and again, throwing the eggs is a terrible idea because they will get triggered at the word Caucasian. Let alone eggs, etc. They can't wait to be the victims. They're like, you have a white guy on your shirt. You're black. I hate you. Like, um, so I agree. Obviously, it's a great story, and I'll, I want to know more about it. Um, two things I got to say. One, because we teased it, although normally that doesn't matter. I still hate the word privilege. I, I love the concept. I wish we. I think you know it's it is it is it is not strong, uh, yeah, no, and, no. and it is easy to get people to resist it when. I don't think most people would if, if they understood it or if they heard it. I know they understand it. If they heard it as, uh, hey, man, just think about your advantages, right, and, and what that meant. Not saying you shouldn't have them uh, and, and not saying you should feel guilty over having them, but understand uh, what that means and, and how you look at other people. But uh, obviously that's, that isn't clever either, but the, that word uh, uh, is challenging for people. And then finally, I just want to mention one thing about Rudy Giuliani. It really has very little to do with him, but, but on CNN today, my wife uh, pointed this out to me. We rewound the show and, and watched it. Um, and I, we don't normally watch CNN, but since the election, it's been on slightly more. Um, and uh, Pamela Brown, she's the White House correspondent. She was reporting on the uh, Trump lawsuits and the lawyers backing away from the Trump lawsuits, as you've been uh, pointing out on on Twitter. And and there was a phone call when they were sort of, you know, they were like, we, we, we can't follow. There's nothing to follow in Arizona. You were defeated by 12,000 votes in the election. So, and so he had a meeting of his election lawyers and White House staff, leading White House staff, his closest advisors, deputy chief of staff. Uh, Mark Meadows, obviously not there because of the COVID. And then uh, uh, Rudy Giuliani on, a, on the phone, right? And uh, these guys were saying, hey, man, it's, it's over, right? This is, this is not uh, happening. You, there is no path forward, as we've been telling you. And Trump yelling and Rudy yelling and screaming at these guys. And then somebody called Rudy, and they said this on CNN, an effing a-hole. And just that we've reached a point where on CNN, the reporter goes, yeah, and they called America's mayor, uh, Rudy Giuliani, an effing a-hole. And then, of course, at the end of that conversation, Donald Trump uh, made uh, put Rudy Giuliani in charge of all the efforts at turning the election around. Yeah, well, he probably thought that was a compliment. Right, like, totally. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's like, oh, the effing a-hole. Oh, that's it. You're the captain of the ship now. Uh Look, peas in a pod. They're both lunatics. They both lost their minds, and so there is there's no way of talking them out of it. Uh, they've lost every case. I, I don't know when it ends. Um, there's there's almost no cases left to lose, um, and so how how long does he drag this out? But the one thing is, uh, I I agree with Michael Cohen, but partly because he agrees with me. Um, he said he's going to go home for, to Mar-a-Lago for Christmas and never come back. No, that's interesting. Yeah, And I'm like, yeah, that sounds exactly right. I mean, it, as you know, I've been saying he's going to leave and not come back. You know, obviously I didn't intend it this way. Right? Let's just be clear about that. But, but yeah, there's he has a, I'm going to take my ball and go home written all over him. Right. And uh, he doesn't know how to spell ball. But yes, otherwise, yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, 
That's our episode, guys. Uh, much love. We'll see you next time.